This episode of the Getting Better Now podcast is brought to you by Golf Genius Software. Less work, more fun, and more revenue. I think the amount of pressure we put our, on ourselves to be great at everything is enormous. And I don't, I don't know that that's possible. I think you can be great in the moment that you're standing in. Um, but to put that kind of pressure on yourself that you have to be the best perfect mom, you have to be the best perfect HP, you have to be the best player, you have to be the best friend, you have to be the best spouse or partner, um, is, it, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of anybody. And in our profession, when we know how um, diligent we are in our hours, how, many, how much time we spend at our facilities, um, that makes it even, even harder. is the Getting Better Now podcast presented by the Golf Business Network, the show by golf professionals for golf professionals, profiling experts from inside and outside the golf industry to help you advance your career, make a lasting impact, and achieve your goals. Here's your host, PGA professional from St. David's Golf Club, Dean Candle. When I had the opportunity to start this podcast and partner with the Golf Business Network, I certainly wasn't sure how it would go. I knew there were a lot of great stories to tell about the fantastic work so many of you are doing every day as PGA professionals. And to date, we've been able to feature some of those stories, and no doubt there are countless more out there to tell in the future. As the show has grown and more and more of you have taken the time to listen, it's been cool to see its evolution. That's why this episode felt like a bit of a milestone. Having the chance to have an extended conversation with the president of the PGA of America was an incredible opportunity. Sure, in many ways, Susie Whaley is just another golf professional like you and me. She struggles with many of the same challenges that we face every day. Parts of her stories sound the same as many of your stories. But, on the other hand, Susie is the head of the largest organization in sports, and not to mention the first woman to ever do that. She holds one of the most powerful and influential positions in our game. She's a trailblazer, no doubt. Not only has she played in LPGA Tour events, but she played in a PGA Tour event. Yes, the PGA Tour against the men. For those of you out there that don't know her history, it's worth the time to look into. And by the way, you don't have to look very hard. She's probably done more media interviews than any PGA professional in history. But even with that, I must admit this was a little nerve-wracking, which is kind of funny because anyone that's been around Susie at all knows she has a natural ability to make you feel comfortable, to make you feel like you're old friends. There's no doubt that skill has been a secret to her success. In part one of our conversation, we tackle a couple of age-old issues with PGA professionals, time management and work-life balance. If you've been following along, you've heard about these topics on the podcast before partly because these issues are nearly universal in our business and because they're probably not addressed with practical solutions often enough. So what do you do if you get 600 emails a day, like Susie? How do you handle the stresses of raising a family and succeeding in this industry? Susie shares her methods and what's helped her over the course of her career, along with adding many great insights for us. So here it is, our conversation with the president of the PGA of America, Susie Whaley. I hope you enjoy it. 
Susie Whaley, welcome to the Getting Better Now podcast. Thanks so much for coming on this morning. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So yeah, we're here. We got up early. We're connected. We're ready to go. I know that uh, your schedule's crazy, so fitness in is really awesome. And I wanted to start talking about schedules because I would imagine with your commitments these days through still teaching, coaching, being the president of the PGA of America, you're I would imagine as busy as you've ever been. You know, I'm I'm crazy busy, uh, but I think everybody in the world is busy right now. And uh, yeah. you know, for me, it's just a matter of making sure that um, every day has some priorities to it, <laughs> and that mm -hmm. we knock those out first. And there's things that I obviously can't get to all the time, but uh, we just uh, keep going with those as we go, right? I think people um, mm -hmm. get a little caught up with their list. And uh, for me, um, I, you know, I used to go to bed worried I didn't finish it, and now I can't do that. <laughs> you know, it's just right. a matter of, of making sure we do the best uh, that we possibly can. So I do think that time management is really one of the most critical skills, uh, probably for anybody, but in the context of PJ professional these days, it's, it's really important because I believe that when we're feeling too overwhelmed and pulled in too many directions, we're just not as good as we, we should be at our clubs every day. So is, has, have you built skills in that over the years? You mentioned being able to prioritize a couple of things. Is that something that you look to do? Hey, every day I just need to knock off these few things and I'll feel all right. Is that a skill that you've developed and what other tactics maybe are you using to help you make, give you that kind of sense of, okay, I'm doing as much as I can do and I don't have to stress about it? Yeah, I definitely get up earlier. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. I mean, really, really early because, I mean, for me, um, I, I, working out, work, I, I get up at about five every day. And nice. uh, for me, working out is a, is a priority uh, just because I mm -hmm. feel better when I do and I angst about it all day when I don't. So <laughs> I get that done right yeah. out of the gate. And then, um, you know, certainly I probably go to bed a little later. I don't go to bed late. I, I do get a lot of sleep. I, I try desperately to go to bed by 10. Um, but mm -hmm. I've got a lot to fit in every day. So um, I try to do that in the best way possible and the most, as I said, um, the things that are critical to get, get accomplished that day. But, but I will say, I think what's helped me along the course of, of my career that, that wasn't easy and is still a challenge for everybody, I think, especially um, those of us who have super busy schedules, it's just kind of being where you are in the moment you're in it. And uh, that for me, multitasking tends to make me non-efficient. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's, it's an, and I realize some people may be good at that. I'm not. So at the end of the day, I, I realize that. And so I try very hard to, um, for example, if I'm talking to you right now, that's it. You know, this is my sole focus in the moment I'm in. And then we're going to move on to the next. It doesn't mean I don't pre-plan or, or have goals or, or look out at visionary into the future, but um, staying where I am in the moment I'm in, if I'm with my family, I'm going to be with my family. If I'm going to do emails, it's going to be a specific uh, length of time that I'm going to do those. And then the phone goes away. Um, that's the way I manage it. And, and that's the, mm -hmm. been really helpful for me. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm coaching, I mean, there, I, I don't have my phone out at all unless I'm on TrackMan or, you know, using it for some sort of, um, technology that I'm using in that coaching right. moment. And, and it really has helped me um, lose some of that anxiety and stress of, of oh my gosh, I'm not going to get things done. I've got to call at one o'clock um, because it's very specific in, in, in what I'm doing in that, in that time. Now, it doesn't mean things don't happen and get in the way and, and, and pull you off track. And that's where I think it's challenging because you're going to have something pop up and, oh gosh, I've got to get to that. 
Um, so, so that's where there takes some training, I think, personally, to say, hang on, that can wait, and uh, I'm going to finish what I'm doing doing now. But again, I, I stress that it, that that works for me uh, because I really am a terrible I'm a terrible multitasker. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think most of us are, even even if you think you're good at it, you're not as good as you probably think you are, right? And, you know, you mentioned being on the on the range with your phone, and maybe you're on, how about when you're on the track, man, and then a text pops up or something like that. So, I mean, it's no, exactly. easy to get distracted out there. Yeah, and you just got to flip it up, and you just got to make sure that, um, you know, even if it's an important text, um, you know, obviously, if it's from my children or something's wrong, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a different story. But m- most of those can certainly wait, and, and I think we've just trained even the people we're texting, um, our expectation is we receive a message instantaneously back. And I think it, it has to go both ways. I, th- I think all of us uh, today need to realize that somebody might be busy <laughs> doing something really important and, and they may not get back to you for a couple hours and, and that, that should yeah. absolutely be okay. And so I have a 24-hour email rule. At least I try to abide by that. It usually goes into 48. Um, you know, I get it. I get about 600 a day, but I try desperately to get wow. back in about 40 and, you know, 48. And then, uh, you know, I, I hope to, you know, text messaging typically um, is a little simpler and faster. But I, but I think mm-hmm. that's also been detriment to to a lot of us in the business, because the expectation, whether it's from our clients or our members or our peers or our, our employers is an instantaneous answer. And then the expectation is still, though, that you're, you're striving for excellence in the moment you're in in your workplace. And that's impossible. You can't do both. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. And there is that, that either internal pressure or maybe you even feel some external pressure about getting back to, say, in, in this case, your members right away. And you can end up sitting on your email all day. And then by the end, I've had plenty of these days where by the end of the day, you feel like the only thing you accomplished was getting through your email. Maybe you feel a little bit better, but your inbox is just going to fill back up, right? <laughs> Again, so if yeah, you get well, 600 a day as you are. Yeah, and not only that, um, you know, that face-to-face time, uh, I think, is what RPG professionals are amazing at. I think that mm-hmm. those that are at your facilities, they want to be with you. And, and while they also want you to reply to them immediately, I think you have to set an expectation. Uh, maybe it's a 48-hour rule, <laughs> like I try to hold fast to, but does isn't always the case, but I try to. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or something to where you kind of lay that out and, and an explanation of, I'm, I'm trying to give you the most valued and best experience possible, and I want you here. And, and I, want, I want to acknowledge that you're here in front of me, and I, and I want to help you in whatever capacity you need in the moment you're in, in my facility. And because it's really their facility, right? And so at the end mm-hmm. of the day, um, when people, at least in my workplace, they get used to having me present with them, they can count on it and they enjoy it. And then I enjoy it more. And so while you always are going to have that moment in time where your boss or, or you know, my general manager reaches out to me and needs something, um, I find it easier to explain because we've had that conversation multiple times that, you know, if, if I'm scheduled to be on the lesson tee, you won't hear from me till lunch, right? Which is typically mm-hmm. the same time for my break. And, and my general manager knows that and, and, and really respects that. So I think it's communication with those you're working for. I think it's communication with those you're working with. And then certainly at the highest level of communication to those that you're serving in whatever capacity you're in as a PGA professional is, is really key. Because there's always that one or two who are demanding your time uh, for whether it's emails or text or, or in person that, that are hard. 
And um, I think you just got to stand your ground in, in a respectful way and say, gosh, you know, I did get that. And I'm going to I'm going to work on that over the course of tonight, tomorrow morning, and get back to you by X time. But I see mm-hmm. a lot of golf professionals, as you said, stuck, uh, stuck in their offices. And I don't know that many of us got into the game or the profession to do that. Not that it's not important to do admin and, and everything that needs to be accomplished in that space. But every day, all day, I think is, is something that kind of drains the passion uh, for the game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, none of us got in it to be professional emailers, right? And, and <laughs> I talk to I talk to other golf professionals, and they just feel stuck in that, especially in the heart of the season when, when you know, for a club like me or, or in the Northeast where it's is seasonal and you know it's going to be busy during a certain amount of time. That's when you have more traffic in your email and you can get stuck. So, I know we've talked to others on this podcast about tactics they use. It sounds like. You're more of like an email, you know, batch that out in, in one kind of session. So do you actually schedule your time to go through that every day or do you try to schedule that time or how's that yeah, work for you? I do. And I even use um, keywords in our subject lines, right? So when it's mm-hmm. um, leadership emails, for example, it would be like inform would be in the subject lines. So everybody that's that's looking at their emails that I'm sending to, that I'm adding to their inbox, right? Um, mm-hmm. understands that this is just an inform and can wait. Um, you know, okay. a- action requested um, at the top is just, look, I, I need something from you um, by this time. And they can just see it right in the subject line, right? Um, yeah. You know, so it, you can come up with kind of for your workplace some key, if, it, if you find it helpful, some key phrases yeah. that eliminate the need to, I need to read this whole thing because it came from my boss. Instead, you know, an inform would be, okay, I'm, I'm just letting you know, which to me states as somebody receiving that, oh, you know what, I can mark that as unread right now and I can get back to that um, yeah. when I need to and I can move on to something. Now, obviously, everybody that emails you isn't going to have that in their subject line. So I was going to say, can you train it. my members to do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you absolutely can. And then I think, you know, training, training your staff to um, really con- condense what they're trying to say. Um, that is really mm-hmm. critical because nobody's going to read past four lines of an email. Everybody thinks people do. I, I don't believe they do. And so right. if the meat, uh, if the meat of what you need answered is at the very bottom, you're going to get back a response, but never answers to the question. And then that turns into four more emails between the two people, which creates that six, 10 email chain between two people, which adds up to 600, right? So it's not yeah. that 600 people are, are, are writing people every day. It's, it's that the things that you've asked, perhaps they, they missed what you asked. They don't answer it. They kind of give you a different response. And you're like, well, wait a second. What about what I asked you? Well, they didn't see it because it was at the bottom of the email. So a lot of times it's not mm-hmm. intentional. I just think we're so busy. We scan. We try to pick out what's important. So what I try to do is, you know, in the first three lines, tell you exactly what I'm looking for and what I need. And, and perhaps sometimes those emails may seem a little... Uh, curt or short or yeah. not with a lot of fluff in them, but I find that it's really, really helpful to, so if my student, for example, emails me, they understand to say, I'm struggling with the slice still. Um, I need that the, the, you know, starting down the downswing with my shoulders still, um, I forgot my tip, right? And I know immediately mm-hmm. then what, what they would want back from me. And so, you know, it's just, I really believe it's training and, and trying to walk people through 
And, and again, in a respectful way that, look, I, you're, what you're asking me is important to me. You're important to me. Um, but I, I do a lot better when, when it's a little concise. <laughs> right? yeah. And, um, and you know what? People, people will laugh and, and respect that because they're going through the same thing in their workplace mm-hmm. and in their personal life. This isn't something that's um, individual to golf professionals. This is, this is right. the entire planet is, is being distracted constantly. Um, and that's not going to go away. So I think as golf professionals, you need to realize it's not going away. Technology is here to stay. Um, your people uh, at your facilities are going to use technology to reach you. It's, it's more convenient for them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, setting up some parameters for that that works for both parties, I think, is something that's smart. I hope that you're enjoying this interview. Let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Golf Genius. It's time to say goodbye to three ring binders in your golf shop. Golf Genius Software's new product called Golf Shop helps golf professionals save time, eliminate paperwork, and deliver exceptional service to their club members. Golf Shop streamlines special orders, tracks demo clubs, and automates member communication. It's also designed to end the long-standing reliance on three-ring binders, notepads, spreadsheets, and other older and less efficient methods of managing Golf Shop workflow. Simon J. Buckle, he's the PGA head professional at Brook Hollow Golf Club, commented that Golf Genius Golf Shop has streamlined the way we handle special orders. All the order details are in one place and are quickly accessible. We can stay one step ahead of any issues automatically, keeping members informed about the progress of their order and deliver excellent service to our membership. As somebody who's been using this product as well, I agree with that 100%. And GBN members receive special pricing through 2019 on Golf Genius Golf Shop. To learn more about Golf Genius Golf Shop, go to golfgenius.com. Now back to our interview. Like I said, it's just a kind of a constant refrain I hear from from friends that I'm talking to in the business that are that are getting hit all the time with messages. I and mean, if you don't have, it seems like if you don't have a method or a plan, and like you said, parameters then it will just, it'll bog you down. So that's awesome advice there. I know we kind of dove in pretty deep on into the weeds on email, but I think it's important uh, for- Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a, jobs. there's a tool called Slack if um, your facilities haven't used that amongst your, you know, fellow peers and employees at your facility. Yeah. It's really a very cool tool that really eliminates so many emails. So we use Slack internally at the club here, probably started uh, maybe uh, two seasons ago, or this is the second season where we've used it. And I, I mean, I tell anybody to use that, you know, because you're, then you're not diving in your email to talk to uh, a coworker and then getting distracted by, you know, another email that you got from, from a member or somebody else that you're not ready to, to respond to at that point, but you get distracted, right? So Correct. Correct. Just exactly to your point about, hey, it's on Slack. We can be short and concise. There's no need to write out a whole drawn out dear so and so hope all as well. You know, right. You're just you're, you're just getting right to the point. Yeah. And as opposed to, I, I think as opposed to using text, then I know if I get a Slack, it's for work and it's from somebody you know that I'm working with that I need to I need to address that right away. Yeah, and you could have groups text. on Slack too, right? Where maybe you're putting yeah. up a tip of, tip of the day. I don't know. I think it's a cross between for me. It, it feels like cross between text and email, but I'm not looking mm-hmm. for an email that was sent to me 16 days ago 
through an right. enormous inbox that I haven't cleaned out. Right? I can right. find it really quickly and, and be like, oh, there it is. You know, there's the attachment. Thank heavens, because I don't know if other people go through that. But I'm like, I know you sent me that, but man, I can't find it. So mm-hmm. um, it just it just helps you keep a little bit more organized. So hopefully that helps somebody if they haven't tried it. Awesome. So I think time management is one big thing that we're, we're struggling with these days. Uh, and, and, you know, another one that we talked about this in the last episode of this podcast was all about work-life balance. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I don't get to talk to many women about this. And I think you have a different perspective and we'll go back to your days as a head golf professional when your kids were younger and that challenge uh, of trying to balance that uh, as a mother and as a full-time golf professional how were you handling that back then if you had to go back and do it again would you do anything differently and did you feel like you were doing a pretty good job of it or or was it a struggle for you yeah so i do a keynote on uh, work-life balance and people are always surprised when i open because i don't think there's any such thing right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i i think uh you know and i will get to answer i will answer your question but I, i think that you know as i've gotten older in the business I think the amount of pressure we put our, on ourselves to be great at everything is enormous. And I don't, I don't know that that's possible. I think you can be great in the moment that you're standing in. Um, but to put that kind of pressure on yourself that you have to be the best perfect mom, you have to be the best perfect HP, you have to be the best player, you have to be the best friend, you have to be the best spouse or partner. Um, is it, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of anybody. And in our profession, when we know how um, diligent we are in our hours, how many, how much time we spend at our facilities, um, that makes it even even harder. You know, we've put this this badge of honor that if you're not at the club seven days a week, you're not a good golf professional. And and that's mm-hmm. that's an error that I think my generation has um, that we place yeah. on a future generation of, what do you mean? Where are you going? You know, how can you be done with your day? Um, because that's really the way we did it. And mm-hmm. I think that has to change. And we, we have to be role models for younger professionals to make sure that they are having time with their family and their friends, that, that they somehow um, explain to their employer in a way that's through revenue, obviously, and through budgets and numbers that, that you can be successful not being at the club uh, 365, 120 yeah. hours a week because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable in our environment today. And you have dual working households today and you have, as you've mentioned, family commitments and, and those things. Um, we, we want our professionals to thrive in that environment because I think when you're thriving um, in your personal life, you're going to thrive at work hopefully as well or, or be happier going to work. So when I was a mom, two young children. Um, at the time when I was at HP, I think in 2002 is when I took that job. Um, my children were probably uh, seven and four. And my mm-hmm. husband was working full-time. My husband's also a PGA professional. He was working a, a very lengthy week as general manager of a facility in Connecticut. And I took on this HP role at a public facility, which, which it was totally out of my comfort zone. I'd never, never worked at a public facility. So it was new and challenging and amazing. Um, but the hours, you can imagine, were were enormous because it was a $21 experience. It wasn't like I had a lot of staff. Um, You know, I mean, I was pulling carts. Sun up to sun down seven days a week, right? Exactly, cleaning carts. And um, I think, you know, the way I managed it was with support groups of friends. So I had amazing Mm -hmm. um, friends who were in the same boat as I was, dual working households. And we would share 
uh, childcare responsibilities. We would take our each other's children to the doctor. We would, um, you know, I'm the mom that went to the grocery store and bought the pre-done brownies, threw some frosting on, put them in my pan and brought them to second grade. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> I am totally okay with that. I, that. I know some, I know some people may like get all upset that they didn't get to bake cookies, but man, I mean, first of all, I'm a terrible baker, but second of all, I mean, <laughs> my kids didn't know any different. The children in the, in the room didn't know any different. And you know what, if another mom was going to judge me or a dad was going to judge me because I bought the brownies, well, you know, so be it. Because for me, it is the only way I could make it work. And so do you feel guilty about it? When you get when you get to the you know kindergarten orientation late, yeah. Uh, but you know what, my kids are great and and they're adults now and they thrived on on watching their dad and on watching me love what we do. And, and I found great joy in sharing my work with them. And and obviously every day wasn't a great day at work, but you know my kids saw me saw me giving back to others. They saw me in a service capacity. I wanted them to see me in. And and both of them today. I think appreciated that and, and enjoy their work. So I, I just think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And, and it's just not for me. And, and work-life balance, I think, makes that worse when you read articles that we should be able to, you know, balance our work and life and it's everything's going to be, you know, hunky-dory every day, all day. And um, that's just not the case. And I think, you know, with mm -hmm. your spouses or partners or, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, I think you've got to give people a little leeway today in today's environment to, you know, just settle down when they get home. And I remember when my husband would get home, I'd want to like throw my children at him, right? And run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was like, it's your turn, right? And I think all of us go through that because, you know, it's okay to say you need a moment. It's okay to go for a run. It's okay to go out with your friends uh, and, and have the other person uh, spend some time at home. It's okay to share the chores. And, and while I know this is like a huge community conversation, we have to be better at this as golf professionals because our workplace has become uh, too stressful instead of enjoyable. And mm -hmm. uh, we, I think so many of us have forgotten that we love to play the game. I'm huge on this. I think you have to prioritize playing the game. I think it will give you endorphins and make you happy. And I don't know. I don't think you should feel guilty because we wear a badge that says professional golfer playing golf. I think you should be proud of the fact that you've played golf. And if you're, you know, at home, it's, it's, it feels like a, a time sucker and you should be there instead. Bring your family with you um, and, and enjoy that time together because I feel like as golf professionals, it's something we truly do love and we need to get back to doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's that, you know, kind of that built-in guilt of, oh, no, my members can't see me on the range. Right? They can't, they don't see me practicing. They think I should be working, right? But I think it's important that you pointed out that it, it's all about priorities, right? So if you prioritize playing golf, you will have time to play golf. I always use the example of, say you haven't played in a while, you're not feeling good about your game, and you have a tournament coming up that you know you're playing in. What do you do? You prior, Usually you're going to prioritize a little bit of practice before that. So if it's important to you, you can find time for it, right? Yeah, and your members on the range or your customers on the range, don't underestimate the value of them watching you hit golf balls. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're creating that, in my opinion, you're creating that in your head that people are saying, oh, he shouldn't be out here or she shouldn't be out here. They should be inside working. When in fact, I think if you ask those people, they are 
adamantly like loving the fact that you are showcasing your skills, that you are typically better than they are. That is why you're their professional. And, you know, man, maybe I should take a lesson. Maybe that person right. can help me. And in, in that situation, I think sometimes we, we are running these internal tapes that we think people are saying. Um, when in fact, I'm not sure we can ever know what somebody's actually thinking. And sure. I think we need to turn it into a totally different conversation moving forward because if you're not outplaying and, and showcasing what separates us from those that we serve, that we are at a higher level, that we do keep ourselves at the gold standard of the game, that we are very interested in helping them and whatever, and ever, whatever they want in their game, that we have the skills to do that, whether it's that they just want to, you know, get the ball in the air or whether they want to be elite. Um, if we forget that that's a huge component of who we are, and what we do, um, we are going to be in trouble because I'm not sure you are the influencer at the club that you need to be. So we're going to stop part one of our conversation right here. I hope that you've been enjoying this conversation so far. Personally, I think it was a really refreshing take from somebody in Susie's position. But make sure to come back with part two, where she addresses questions and concerns that many of you have about the future of our industry and how we're going to attract and retain talented professionals to this business. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to bringing you part two. This was the Getting Better Now podcast, presented by the Golf Business Network. Head over to iTunes to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to rate and review while you're there. For more information, go to golfbusinessnetwork.com.